All right, that's awesome. Last, my walk-up last service was quiet, and I thought I wouldn't miss not having walk-up music, but it seemed weird. Hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome. Merry Christmas to everybody. 2021. Did anybody else but me entirely lost track of the last two years? Gabe and I were talking about Christmas, like, what did we do last Christmas? And I said something, and she goes, no, that, I think that was two Christmases ago. Like, I have no idea where this went. If you ever look at the debate between people that say, you know, the, the earth is short, if you follow pure biblical doctrine, you look down and go, well, okay, we calculate the age of the earth out to be about 8,000 years. And then you have scientists who go, no, it's carbon dating, and it's billions of years old. If you ever wonder how a year can feel like billions of years, I think we all know that now, right? So that should get rid of any doubt that it can be one or the other. But, you know, Christmas is just an amazing time of the year. The last couple of years have been full of a lot of firsts. I had one of, our, one of my firsts, maybe the most shocking first, happened about 20 minutes ago when it's Christmas Eve, December 24th, and I had to turn on the air conditioning because it's too warm in here. Like, what? Our friends in Africa and everywhere else around the world, they don't have such issues. But around here, that's weird. So, speaking of weird, let's get going with our message. No, it's not going to be weird. Christmas is just so amazing. I love Christmas. I love the things around Christmas. I love the decorations. I love the songs. I love caroling. I love going to look at lights. Pastor Gabe and I were out looking at lights. The most joyful thing in my heart ever is going with my wife to look at Christmas lights, and she's like a little girl. Just everything is just, just exciting, and I love that. It does my heart. I love you. It's just such an amazing thing. But everything else, I love. I'm part of a Christian pastor's group, small church group specifically, and one of the guys on there commented, can we just stop debating whether Christmas trees and wreaths are a pagan fertility symbol and this and that and all the things. And can we just not enjoy the season? I want to put it out to all of you, especially those of you who are bah humbug. I don't like the wreath on the crosses. I don't like the trees. I don't like this. Come on. Let's just have fun. The last two years in this entire planet has been all about you're not allowed to have fun. Let's just have fun. Lighten up, world. Jesus Christ came to die to give us freedom, not so that we could sit and argue over the minutia of what is and what isn't, to live in the joy that he paid for us. Let's do that. Are you guys on board with me? Let's do that. Let's talk about what we love about Christmas. I talked about in one of our previous messages, I brought up some, sur I love surveys. Surveys can be done by anyone, and they can either have really great scientific value or absolutely none. And honestly, I don't care which. But this one right here, 30,000 people were surveyed, and they asked them what their favorite things about Christmas, all different categories, right? And so let's play this game. I'm going to ask you guys. Your favorite things about Christmas, okay? It's a list of how many are there. There's 13 things on their list. Okay, number one, favorite Christmas movie. Yes. What you Thank you, Craig. Any Hallmark movie? Any Hallmark movie? It's a Wonderful Life. Christmas Carol. What, Die Hard. There's always one. I should have guessed it'd be you, Kayla. Elf. Okay, first place. 
It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. How can it not be? Second place, Elf. Third place, personal favorite, Christmas Vacation. I got it. You know, as a pastor, I should be somewhat ashamed of that. I'm not. It's so fun. I just love it. Number two, favorite Christmas song. Silent Night. Mary, did you know? Joy to the World. Aren't these awesome? How about that version of Joy to the World that they just did? Is that, I love that. I, I didn't think I would. I loved it. Favorite Christmas carols, or favorite Christmas song, Silent Night, first place. You're on a roll. Second place, White Christmas. Third place, Oh Holy Night. Okay. Fun fact. You guys, whenever you're ready. Uh, die, speaking of Die Hard, okay, who's the villain in Die Hard? Hans, Hans Gruber. Silent Night, okay, written in 1818 by Franz Gruber. Coincidence? Favorite Christmas TV show? The Grinch. Peanuts. Rudolph. You guys are hitting it. Number one, Charlie Brown Christmas. Okay, number two, Rudolph. Third place, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. You guys, you guys are hitting it. Favorite Christmas commercial or TV ad? None of them. Clydesdales, the Cadillac one. It is good, right? What? I know, Chevy just did a good I haven't seen it, but I heard it was awesome. Okay. This is, this is what you expected on Christmas Eve service, right? <laughs> Talking about these things. Number one, Coca-Cola in all of its different things that they do. Uh, second place, Budweiser Clydesdales. Third place, M&M's. Favorite Christmas book? Bible. Yeah. yeah. Pastor Craig has to bring up the Bible. Other than the Bible. Christmas Carol. Night Before Christmas, number one. Favorite Christmas treat? Cookies. Of all their kinds, right? What'd you say? You were the one. 8% said eggnog. Okay. Personally, eh. Christmas cookies, number one. Okay. Favorite Christmas activity to do together? Christmas lights. Christmas lights, Pastor Gabe. <laughs> Christmas movie, decorating the Christmas tree, first place. Opening presents together, and then caroling. We went caroling as a church for the first time last week. It was amazing. Catch us next year if you missed it. Okay, um, da, 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 let's go. Favorite Christmas drink? Eggnog. Did I hear single malt? Jack, did you say scotch? Yeah. That's not right. Okay. Maybe, maybe it is right. Favorite place to shop for Christmas? Online. Any other? Okay. You guys are you guys are hitting it. Amazon, twenty-two percent, the highest percentage, twenty-two percent. Amazon, and then 
and then local is number two, and then any place online in general is third. All right, last one. Favorite Christmas present? Money. <laughs> Money, George says. Okay, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Okay, being with family, number one. And given that I consider you all family, this is my, this is my gift right here. Homemade gifts, number two. Sorry. Sorry. Gift cards, number three. <coughs> gift card. This is coming from somebody who, who had decades of crocheted things that didn't fit me from, from elders in my family, shall we say. All right. Hey, those are all, those are all fun things, um, and I, I, just, I just love celebrating those things, and I have so many fond memories of those things. I absolutely love those things, but what's one thing that was really missing from that list? Jesus. Jesus. It wasn't even a question. Pastor Craig did the pastoral thing and said his favorite book was the Bible. Good. But... Jesus, it wasn't even a question in that list. And I think it's because in our culture, it's become entirely not only acceptable, but really easy to celebrate Christmas without even being confronted with the reason that we celebrate Christmas. Even if you say Jesus is the reason for the season, then people go, okay, yeah, it's, it's it's about Jesus. The end. You can do everything related to Christmas maybe with the exception of going to Christmas Eve service, and not have any clue why it's important. Why it's important that we, that we learn about and that we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is so much more than just a hypothetical sweet story. And it is a sweet story. It's nice. If it were just a fictional book, it'd be a nice, fun, cute, fictional book. But it's not. It is a historical fact. And it needs to be understood as one. Not only that, but it is foundational to our understanding as Christians of of Christian values, Christian faith. It is foundational to our core beliefs. So we need to understand it. It's meant really at its core, number one, it is meant to celebrate the fulfillment of God's promise to bring a Savior into this world. Am I right? I've said this scripture every time. I'll do it again. Genesis 3.15. God is speaking to the snake in the garden. The garden has just made a muck of all this paradise, thinking that he's one. And God says this to him. I will make enemies of you and the woman and of your offspring and her descendant. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. That's called the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel. Do you think Satan had any clue what was coming then? He's like, okay, whatever. But that was the first gospel, the first promise from God that Satan, you might think that you got something going on, but I've had a plan from the beginning, and you will not win. That's the first gospel. God's promise to fulfill God's promise to send a savior was fulfilled when Jesus Christ was born on the earth. Now God has all kinds of promises. The Bible is chock full of promises. But the one that we're focused on now, focused on today, and the one that was the is the one that started it all is this one that was fulfilled 
when a small baby came into the world. That's what we should celebrate. Yeah, there's so much more that needs to happen before the kingdom is consummated. Absolutely. But we should be, as Christians, we should be having an ongoing celebration that God is faithful. God fulfills his promises. And one big one right smack in your face is a baby born in a manger, humble circumstances, humble parents right there for all to see. So Christmas is not just a day or a month or the reason for the season. It should be a mindset. As a Christian, it should be a mindset that we celebrate all year long, not just a day. A mindset of thankfulness for a faithful God, a good God, who will promise. This book is full of promises, and every single one, did you know, every promise in the Bible that was to have happened by now, some are prophecies still, they happened just exactly as Scripture says it was going to happen. God is so faithful, and God is so good, and the birth of a baby on that day is just a visible reminder of how good how good he is. Our job as disciples of Jesus is to remember that and to celebrate that and to herald that truth to the world. Scream it out loud from the rooftops. God is good. And if you want any evidence, all this commercialism that we're all celebrating right now, at its core, it's because God sent his son into the world for us. I love that. The glory of God come to earth in the form of a baby born in the most humble circumstances to the most humble of parents in the most unassuming, unlikely place. And that baby, the savior of the world. So the role of the church is to herald the king and his kingdom. That's our job. So we take the message of the king and we proclaim it loudly. That message is called commonly the gospel. That's our job. Now, Matthew, the Apostle Matthew, when he was writing uh, his book, he recorded what Jesus himself said about why it's important that we proclaim that gospel to the world. Matthew 24, 14. These are Jesus' own words. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So you've ever find yourself looking at the world and the craziness that's going on and say, come, Lord Jesus, I'm so ready for this to be over. That's what we're looking for. This gospel preached to the whole world, and then the end will come. So if you're waiting, like, let's get on with it. I'm ready for the end to come. Let's get on with it. Let's do our part. Let's share the gospel. And then the end will come. Have you ever noticed around Christmas, I have, and this whole message has been part of it, so if you've been paying attention at all, you too have noticed, that around Christmas you see images of herald angels all over the place, okay? And they're always blowing a trumpet. Do you ever think about that? Like, why? you ever look at the symbolism that's around Christmas and wonder, really at its core, what's that meant to be? Why is that significant? The de- dictionary definition of a herald, I shared it before, but is this. This is Webster's, and it says this. An official messenger, usually an officer with the status of ambassador, acting as official messenger between leaders, especially in times of war or conflict. That's what a herald is. A herald is not peaceful. A herald is not calming. 
You're not going to put a herald on in your sleep machine at night to help you sleep. Here's what a herald looks like. Let me show you. This is a modern herald. Oh, wait. I skipped it. That's herald angels, okay? You've, seen the, you've all seen that, right? That's my bad, guys. Now, let me show you a video of some modern heralds. This was just a year or two ago. That, that gives me goosebumps to listen to that, especially in that context. But you think about it, they're not saying, hey, guys, it's nap time. They're saying something important is about to happen. Someone important, something important is coming, and I need you all to pay attention. That's what they're heralding right there. Now, in ancient Hebrew culture, when we read in scriptures, a lot of scriptures talk about trumpets. We see that all the time. And a trumpet, they did exist in that form made of metal, but more likely, more often than not, it was what's called a shofar. Now, a shofar is made, it's a trumpet made out of a ram's horn. Here's, here's one that I have. It's a decorative. By the way, it's not the size of the shofar that counts. Okay. I don't like where your mind's going. In Old Testament times, though, before Jesus, they blew the shofar for all kinds of reasons, okay? None of them were to tuck you into bed at night. They were blown as a reminder of God's faithfulness. Psalm 98, 6, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, shout joyfully before the king, the Lord. Okay, they were done for that reason. And also, also as a reminder of God's wrath to those who would count themselves among his enemies, We see that all the time. You want to see what that looks like? Read Judges chapter 7 and see the interaction between the Midianites and Gideon. Okay, 300 of these things blowing. Now, you look at this and go, what kind of sound could that possibly make? Has anyone here ever heard a shofar in reality? I found a recording. Listen to this. This is what a shofar sounds like. Imagine 300 of those blowing at once. We went to Israel, and we went on a tour, and we were up on top of, of Masada, a, a really high plateau in the Dead Sea region. And they told us a story about how they would blow when Roman soldiers were down below. They would blow their shofars and would echo off the canyons and scare the bejeebers out of the, the Romans that are down below. Can you, I can't even imagine what that would sound like. But that's what heralding is. It's not peaceful. And it is absolutely, definitely not passive. So when you see the herald angels and you hear that song, I want you to think about what that really means. 
It is not a bedtime lullaby. It is power, and it is our job in this kingdom to herald the coming of the Messiah. That's what it's for. At Christmas time, we see images and hear songs and decorations and things all over the place that I really think probably half the people that decorate their homes or decorate malls or, or play it in elevators, they don't really understand the symbolism of it. And I think a lot of Christians don't either. But to me, I look at those things and I listen to those songs, and to me, it's a coded message from God saying, I am here, and they may not know it, but I am sovereign. And even though they don't say that they're doing it for this reason, I am the king of kings. And I see that in all the symbolism of Christmas, all those trappings. I see, I see God and his power. So there's a popular Christmas carol called Hark the Herald Angels, right? I love that. It was written in 1739 by John Wesley. It's one of my favorite of all Christmas carols, but it's more than just that. Christmas carols, Christmas songs in general have so much power. If you really take the time to listen to the lyrics. Has anyone here ever listened to one of their favorite songs from high school and you finally like take a minute to Google the lyrics and go, oh no. I didn't know I was singing. I can no longer sing that in public, right? Christmas carols are like that in a lot of ways. We sing them because they're fun. Do you ever take a moment to really think about what they mean? Hark the Herald Angels Sing celebrates foundational concepts of Christianity. Christ's deity, his humanity, his kingship, his work of reconciliation on the cross, everlasting life in him. It celebrates all those things, and it is told so beautifully and so poetically in the lyrics I want to share the lyrics with you, and I'm going to have our staff come up and read the scripture where those lyrics come from. So let's do this. All right, number one, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and the sinners reconciled. From Luke 2, 13 to 14. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Joyful, all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. From Luke 2, 10 through 12. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. 
Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. From Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Late in time, behold him come. From 1 Peter 1.20, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake, offspring of a virgin's womb. From Isaiah 7.14, the Lord himself will give you the sign, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Luke 1.34-35, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. From Hebrews 10, 19 to 20. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. In Colossians 2.9, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Pleased is man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. From John 1.14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And Matthew 1.23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. From Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Malachi 4, 2. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out of the pasture. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. From Isaiah 9-2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And John 8-12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Mild he lays his glory by, from Philippians 2, 6 through 7. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Born that man no more may die, from Hebrews 2, 14 through 15. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. 
for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. In John 11, 25 through 26, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Born to raise the sons of earth. From 2 Corinthians 4, 14. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. And John 6, 53, 54. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. Born to give them second birth. From John 3.3, 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In 1 Peter 1, 23-25, Few have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever, because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Amen. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. That hymn in, in just one song, three verses right there, contains the entire summation of the Christian faith. That is what we as disciples of Christ should proclaim and herald to the world. Amen? So the next time that herald angels arrive and herald the arrival of Christ, it will be at his second advent, his second coming. Revelation eleven fifteen says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever birth of Jesus Christ on what we celebrate and what we call Christmas Day was the fulfillment of a promise and a signaling of the beginning of the end of Satan and his schemes. So the next time you see an image like this, wherever you see it, that's a more accurate picture of what I see when I think of a herald angel. Remember, Christmas is so much more than a time of hanging out with your family, opening presents, and eating and drinking as much as possible. You can still do that, but that's not what it is. It's a celebration of the one who was promised from the beginning, the one who has overcome the world, and the one who offers salvation to all who would receive it. That one, Emmanuel, God incarnate, God with us, that is what we celebrate on Christmas. Amen. So we are going to, now, last service did great. You guys have a lot to live up to. We are going to sing together. We're going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I was going to sing it just by myself, but thankfully Cameron is going to play guitar behind me. So it's not just me, but I need you guys. 
Let's sing this together and let's sing it with feeling. Let's sing it thinking about those words and really what they mean. So let's together sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy my own God and sin is reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the trial of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Heart the herald angels Glory to the newborn King. Christ by heart. Christ by heart is heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold Him come. Offspring of the Virgin. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead seed, held incarnate deity, pleased with man and men to dwell. Jesus saw men you well. Heart the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn. Hail the heaven born. Hail the heaven born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light in light to all He brings. tonight, depending on your family traditions, we will give and receive presents to one another. And it's more than just a time of just fun like it's your birthday. It's a remembrance of the greatest gift ever given. The greatest gift ever given by a loving father who took the most precious thing to him and gave it to you. Gave it to many who would refuse to accept him, but given because he wants everyone to come to him. Probably the most well-known scripture of all time, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
that's the offer to you. If you're here tonight and maybe you know of Jesus and you know all these things about Christmas and kind of what it's about, but you have not accepted that gift and received Christ in your heart, you can do that tonight. Wherever you are, if you're out there online watching this three weeks later, you can make that decision because there's nothing about the ceremony or, or the location or the time of day or the place. It's just in your heart. You just stop running. Stop thinking you can do it in your own strength. Stop thinking that you don't need him and just say yes. Just stop and say, yes, Lord, I need you. Invite him into your heart, and he's right there. You won't have to go looking for him because he's right behind you. And he wants you to come to him. And that offer is available. So tonight, if you're here in-house and we're, pre- and we're singing the last songs and you have made that decision, you can find somebody in the back to pray with you. I'll pray with you. Anybody here will pray with you because that is something to be celebrated. And you have that opportunity tonight. We're going to take communion together, but let's pray first. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a good and gracious and merciful Father. And Lord, you love us so much that you are willing to give the most precious thing in your world and put it into our world. Our fallen, dirty, dingy, sinful, messed up world. You send the light of life for us and Father we are humbled before you we thank you for that gift Lord we praise you not just this day but every day that you love us enough to do this for us that we mean enough to you Lord let us live a life that's worthy of that sacrifice Father we love you and we praise you In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to serve communion now. We have ushers who are going to come around and hand out the the trays. And so we're just going to stay in your seats. We'll have the little cups there. And we're going to serve it to the worship team on the way up. And then I will walk you through communion. Tonight, tonight we come together and we remember and celebrate the birth of Christ. God, who came to us in human flesh as a helpless little baby, destined to die on the cross for you, 
Emmanuel, God with us, has come to touch our world, our lives. And he's come to bring into this dark world his glorious light. The first people invited to share in this event was a group of poor, humble shepherds. They weren't highly educated. They didn't have any gifts. They didn't come from the right background or the right pedigree and heritage. They didn't have fancy clothes, but an angel chose them and proclaimed to them, a savior has been born to you. Tonight we come just as unworthy as those shepherds. No matter your station in life, no matter where you are or who you are, we are all unworthy to receive God's amazing grace and love. And yet, there it is, given freely for all of us. This Christ child born into a fallen world, innocent, destined to die on the cross for us. So when we take communion together, we are celebrating that he gave all of that to save you from that fallen world and bring you, call you into a better one. And so when we take communion, we partake in his body and his blood. And by doing so, we are accepting that gift. And we are saying, yes, I will do the best that I can in my human nature. I will do the best that I can to live a life aligned with what your calling on my life is. And it's so much higher than just the world. So if you have, if you have opened it up, take the body. The body given on the cross and broken for you. Take that body. The blood of Christ, the blood of the new covenant shed for you on the cross to reconcile you to the Father. The Father no longer sees you through the muck and the grime that has built up on you since birth. He sees you as a new creation worthy of every bit of his love, every bit of his mercy. And by taking that blood, then you are aligning yourself and saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Take that. The worship team is going to play on. When you receive a gift, when I receive a gift like that, I can't help but sing. Sometimes I'll just hear a song on the radio and I am so overcome with thankfulness that I have to sing along. And so I invite you now, if you've accepted that gift, if you took communion with us and you are aligned with that gift and saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you did, then let's stand and worship together and let's sing and let's praise him today. Amen? Merry Christmas, guys.